Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks Podcast. I'm Jim Haney, Executive Director. And I'm Andy Daniel, Social Media Coordinator. Thanks so much for tuning in once again to another podcast. Today we are going to be talking about recovery planning. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about what it is and how it's different from a crisis plan. And I think Jim's going to talk a little bit about advanced psychiatric directives too. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm a big believer in recovery planning. Um, used it in my own, uh, recovery journey. And, um, you know, what we're going to cover is not certainly not, uh, a be all end all of recovery planning. I think it's completely up to the, individual um what it looks like but i think we thought we would share um a couple different types that you could use and yeah we talk about our own kind of experience with uh recovery planning i i I know i've used it have you ever did you did you make a recovery plan andy um i i don't have one currently i i did have one when i was struggling um a lot um and I, I probably should write things down. I mean, I, I think that's the one of the most important things about recovery planning is, I mean, I have this stuff in my head that I think that I would do, um, but if I don't write it down, it, it doesn't get done, right? So um, I should probably have one now. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I think that that's, and I think that's kind of the important part. It's sort of like... Um, I don't know, like a preparation you would do for a fire drill in a school or, you know, a business or something. Just, you know, thinking about what what, what are you going to do if you're going to relapse or if you're not feeling well, your mental, you know, your mental health symptoms are coming on or, you know, if you're re-traumatized, what are you actually going to do? You know, I think that's, that's where my brain kind of goes around recovery planning and, um, you know, for me, it really came out of necessity back, uh, very early on. Um, you know, I was suicidal, uh, you know, really depressed and, you know, uh, I used alcohol to kind of cope with all of that. So, um, you know, trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do? So I don't drink, you know? drinking might lead me to be more depressed which might lead me to kill myself and so to just start thinking about that was really difficult and it took me a long time like when i say a long time i mean maybe a couple of years to figure all that out and get something kind of put together what if and so my third hospitalization my recovery plan really changed things um, because I had a plan in place. I had people designated that I could call and if, if I got to this point, 
hurt myself. Those people knew what to do. And, um, and so I was able to do that, you know, and, and I had three years in recovery, um, and thought I was doing well or, you know, um, and then just suddenly I wasn't, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it sneaks up on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> to be able to make a call and then kind of watch things go from there, um, was was reassuring and I felt much more in control of what was happening. Um, and you know, I didn't have to have handcuffs and be taken into custody and those kinds of things. Um, but I did go into the hospital, even though I had the plan, but I went in and I checked myself in and just had more control over what was going on. This is my counselor. This is my doctor. These are my medications. This is what I like to do to feel better. All of those things played a big factor in that experience was very different than my other hospitalizations early on where none of that was in place. Right. And, right, and yeah. the transition coming out was much better because there was a plan in place for that too. And so that, you know, that convinced me of, uh, So when you created that, did was it somebody in, uh, like a counselor or, or a hospital or anybody that yeah. helped you create that? Um, you know, I think it, it was just kind of made in conjunction. I didn't use a formal, like I didn't use WRAP or advanced directive, but it was just that kind of what if planning that really went into it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just like. I'm going to call this individual, or if this individual hears these kinds of things from me, this is what, you know, I had a supporter and this is what they're going to do. You know, they're going to call my therapist and, you know, then it sort of is going to move along. Like it's going to, it kind of takes on a life of its own. Then sort of like once it's enacted, it just kind of went along and, um, no, the whole experience was just very different. I, I can totally remember riding in the car, going to the hospital, and not being nearly as freaked out as I was uh, previously, you know, in previous experiences, um, and being able to say at the hospital, I think I'm okay to go home. Right. You know, like that was a big piece of it, too. And so, yeah, and then coming home and this is what you're going to do. And, you know, I was working. And so, you know, I didn't make plans, but my therapist played a role. And, you know, just I got on FMLA and had time to come home and heal and kind of get reset sort of, you know, like. And, yeah, it was a very different experience for me than the first couple times. So. Yeah, so, you know, I, I guess I've had these conversations with the people around me, um, but it's not it's not a formal thing, right, for me. But, you know, there are some people that I've said, you know, this is what you need to watch for, or this is how you can help me, but um, I probably should write that stuff down. Um, because I it's sometimes when you're in the midst of it, it's too hard right. to focus on... Right. What I said I was going to do. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's key because it's it's if I say these things or you hear these things from me, these types of things, right? If I'm doing these behaviors and, you know, I think that's part of it is sort of giving that permission to people and having those hard conversations to say, this is what this probably means. Like, I'm not doing well and I need some things, you know, this is what I need you to do for me to help support me, help me through it or, you know, um, and you got to do all that when you're well. Right. You can't do it when you're not well. That's key to a recovery plan. Um, and I also think that it's really, I don't know, like, I don't think I could have done it in the beginning. I don't think I could have, I don't think, I, you know, my mind wasn't clear enough to do it in the first year, you know? Right, year, right. You, you know have to I mean? have, like, you have to have some resources, you know, um, some recovery behind you in order to know yeah. exactly what it is that yeah. you want. Yeah, and, and the resiliency, too, I think, you know, to not get, um, you know, you can be very wrapped up in your illness. And then I think it becomes a barrier to really making a true healthy plan, you know, because right. you can be kind of so sick and so you can't even envision what that would even be. It's just not even, so I do think you need to have some level of wellness and that's just my own opinion um you know i mean i know like advanced directives you can't you, you're not going to make an advanced directive when you're in montana state hospital right you know right <laughs> so you've got to have some time and and i think it's important again those conversations with other people around you supporters around you i think that's important too because they might have insight to share with you and it's not about control giving them control over what's going to happen to you but i think it is about asking them what kinds of things do you see that help you know um and allowing them to be a part of it so and yeah. and there's a difference between a recovery plan and a crisis plan um yeah you know the the recovery plan is sort of a, a long-term kind of thing um where, yeah. you know, these are the things that I'm going to do every day or every week or yeah. or whatever yeah. to, to maintain your recovery as opposed to uh, yeah. if I'm suicidal, then, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so part of my, in my recovery plan, yeah, that's a really good point. So my general recovery plan was every day I was going to do at least one thing for my recovery. So I, I did that six days a week. So, and uh, just happened to be Sundays I didn't. Um, and so that was a variety of things. That was going to support meetings, maybe a therapy appointment, maybe it's reading. I did a lot of education, um, you know, just reading books. I mean, the internet wasn't what it is today. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm a library and reading lots of books about diagnoses and substance use and recovery and um, a lot of trying to learn to help me gain some understanding to get a foothold. And so that was my sort of my general recovery plan and then who the supporters are, you begin building them along the way and some drop off and, you know, um, but yeah, I, I'm a big believer and I think it's really important and I think it's important to share those plans with other people because 
I don't recall any specific ones, you know, it's 20, more than 20 years ago, but I'm sure there were days where I didn't, you know, but to allow the people around you to say, hey, what are you doing today for your recovery? Right. Oh, yeah, right. I need to go to a meeting or I need to take some time to read, you know, a book on mindfulness or whatever, you know, whatever you're you're doing. I mean, but to have those kinds of things. And they can be other things, too. They don't have to be, like, treatment-based. So I, one of the things I incorporated into mine was um, I, I wanted to um, be, to improve my guitar playing skills. So I first got into playing guitar when I was in junior high in music class in school. Um, but I just kind of messed around. So now I'm in my 20s and it's I'm in recovery and I'm at home because um, I'm kind of afraid to go out and I don't have any friends that are like in recovery. And so I it just incorporated that into my recovery, my new recovery life. Music just got incorporated in. So that became a big part of it too because it taught me things like mindfulness and being focused and learning and, you know, that's, you know, that's a really good example of how mindfulness doesn't have to be meditation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you sit in a room for two hours and you're trying to learn <clears throat> learn a song or you're trying to learn finger picking or, you know, a particular technique on a guitar, you're not thinking about anything else. And for me, it was, I'm not thinking about killing myself. Right. So I'm, I'm doing the music. Plus, once I, and I could play okay back then, once I got a little better, um, I could then begin writing songs about my journey, right? So I could write songs about how I was feeling and being depressed or beginning to heal or, you know. Yeah, which is a therapy in itself to be able to express that stuff. Exactly. So it became that for me then, you know, on, on top of it, which was like a total bonus, you know, first it was just like the not, so I wouldn't go outside, you know, like right. keep myself occupied. But when I reflect back, I think, man, it was so mindful what I was doing because I would just sit there for hours and, and it led to so many other things. It led to goal setting. I think I've shared this before. I mean, it said things like goal setting, like it set a goal and say, when I get to my, if I get five years, I'm going to buy myself a guitar. What guitar? You know, then I get to right. start looking at guitars. You know what I mean? And you begin building this sort of reward system for yourself. And then, of course, you got to save money. I can't just walk in and get a guitar, right? <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, it had so many, there were so many benefits to it. And it was something I could do singularly, um, you know, so it kept me away from other people who might influence me to drink, you know? Um, and so it just played a huge role for me. Um, it was it was very healing and taught me a lifelong skill at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So it, it sounds like your your plan has really evolved since, since the beginning, right? So if you were oh, doing sure. something every day for your recovery, um, yeah. you know, maybe things aren't quite as specific now. And... Uh, and so I think, you know, you kind of have to gauge that for yourself about what level of detail you need at the time. 
um, you know, if you're going to say, I'm going to do something for my recovery every day, do you need, is that good enough? Is, is that no. enough instruction? Or do you need to say, on Monday, I'm going to see my therapist on yep. Tuesday, I'm going to go to a meeting, you know, whatever yep. those yep. things are. Totally. I mean, I, I think you need to be as specific as you can. And that's what I was. I was very specific. I mean, write stuff down, you know, at a journal and, you know, this is what I'm going to do every single day. Cause I was, I mean, part of me was really scared. I was going to kill myself. I was going to end up with the wrong group of friends right. and end up drinking. And whether it was that night or it was down the road at some point, you know, that darkness just overtakes me. And at some point I am going to kill myself. And so, you know, it was like, whoa, you know, like, I don't, I don't even want to be around people, you know, because somebody could, you know, because I had, you know, had relapses and you'd be around people and it was <clears throat> their kind of influence. You know, you already don't feel good. You're already not well. Yeah. And then it only takes a few people to kind of influence for me, only took a few people, kind of influenced me, and then just leads you down this road, and it's just, you know. When I think, I think a recovery plan can be a really good roadmap of where you've been and where you're going. You know, if, if you're changing the plan because things are, if you're in a different place and, and you don't yeah. need those specifics anymore, or, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you've, yeah. you've moved past, like you said, on to buying a guitar, right? So you moved from, yeah. I'm going to learn it, to I'm going to buy one. And so you've got that progression oh, yeah. of oh, yeah. meeting your goals. and Yeah, absolutely. And, and there was a, you know, so for me, you know, just keep this line of thinking. I mean, as it evolved, then it became, hey, maybe I could find another person in recovery to play with. You know, like yeah. that thought, you know, down the road, like years into it, it was like, okay, maybe I could find someone in recovery. And so that wasn't easy, but I found that I could go to coffee shops and I could go to open mic nights there Oh, and there's no alcohol. Right. Right. So that was where I started. That was where I first went outside, so to speak. That's the way I call it. That's why I called it. Like, so I first started going outside was like. <laughs> okay, I can go to a coffee shop because everyone's just drinking coffee and tea. Right. You know, like, nobody's getting sloshed, you know? And I could start playing, you know? And so that's what I did. And then eventually that led me to play with some guys. But as soon as you start playing with a group of guys, somebody's drinking. Yeah. And, you know, and so then that kind of puts the end of that. And then I found one guy who didn't drink. He wasn't in recovery, but he didn't drink and use drugs. And we played together for like about a year. You know, and we went out and played, played some, some gigs and stuff. And um, but yeah, I mean, it just evolves over time. And but it's all about getting healthier. Um, but actually having a plan to what am I going to do? You know, and it doesn't always have to be going to treatment or you know um, going to therapy or whatever. But doing something—that's what I did every day. I'm going to do something for my recovery and the, I think the cumulative kind of effect um, really helped <clears throat> over time because no one ever talked to me about RAP, wellness recovery action planning. No one talked to me about advanced psychiatric directives. Right. That, that stuff I learned, you know, once I became a peer supporter, 
well, 15 when, years later. When, <laughs> when I was hospitalized, um, they they wanted to they wanted me to do a wrap plan, oh, a really? wellness wow. recovery action plan, but they mm -hmm. just handed me stuff and went, "Here, go make one." Uh, right? right? I didn't, right, and right. I'm like, oh, and and I had some some training in in yeah. wrap around and the concept of wrap around, but. Like, you can't t give that to me after I've been in the hospital for a day yeah. and expect me to be able to do right. it without any guidance. I mean, no, right. don't right. tell me what needs to be in it, but at least right. give me some guidance on where I should go yeah. with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's where, you know, that's where a peer supporter can play a, a major role, right, is the peer supporter can work with somebody. So let's say you're in the hospital, you're, you're getting out now, you're transitioning out and then the peer supporter then can say, okay, how are you doing? There's these things called wrap plans, you know, recovery plans. What do you think about putting one together, you know, so you don't have to go back to the hospital or, you know what I mean? Or if you do, what's that going to look like? And, right. And here are some examples you know, of a recovery plan and Pick the one exactly. that works best for you, or you know, right. whatever. Exactly. It's not prescriptive. You have to do, yeah, yeah, one particular kind. Yeah, and I think it's important to write it down and the sharing it with people. I think those things are very, very important. And you know, uh, people are listening, and you're like, hey, what's a wrap plan? Or what's an advanced directive? You know, um, you can visit on our website. Um, if you go to our resources page and you click on mental health, there's a bunch of tabs on the left. Click on mental health, the very first one, um, if you scroll, just kind of scroll back up, you'll see is psychiatric advanced directives. There's two parts. One is the form and one is the instructions. And they're both um, kind of lengthy. I mean, I, I don't, they're not like huge, but they're, they're both pretty big. Yeah. And so, Right? I mean, they're not small. It's not a little one-pager. But the directions, the instructions, go through each page of directive itself. Um, in this particular form, um, we made in conjunction with Disability Rights Montana. So they had a form, and then we were like, whoa, that's really hard to read. <laughs> had a lot of legal stuff in it, and, you know. And so we just simplified it, which made it longer but we simplified it, and then they looked at it and said, yeah, this is this is good, it's just twice as long, you know. Um, but I really recommend doing the, getting the instructions with it and walking through, because it goes F through every single section. It also has the Montana annotated code, um, and so that's in there, and then it also has um, the instructions from Montana State University Extension Office how to register your advanced directive. So you're going to make your directive and then you're going to sign it, get it notarized to make it legally binding. If you don't do that, if you don't sign it, make it, uh, get it notarized, it's actually not legally binding. And then you want to register it. So it gives you the address and you're going to send it in to the Office of Consumer Protection. This is also where people send their end-of-life registries. Oh, uh, right, right. Which is they want. So, and then they send you back a card. You'll get like a little business card-looking thing. It has like a number on it, you know, stuff like that. 
keep a safe copy. Um, and that can be accessed. So like if you were hospitalized, um, uh, facilities can actually access it if you didn't happen to have one, but they have to know that you have one. So that can always be tricky. I mean, if people are not well, but you're talking about mental health, you know, so you have to think about how are you going to share this? So, you know, like your therapist, your prescriber, you know, if you, if you go to treatment somewhere or your, your life partners, you know, like someone has to have a copy of it. Right. And, and, yeah. Right. And I think this is a mistake that a lot of people make. They make a plan and then they don't share it. They just put it back in the folder, the binder. They kind of put it on a shelf somewhere or in a desk drawer and no one knows. Right. And if you don't carry the card with you all the time or, you know, yeah. then when yeah. something happens, nobody right. knows that it right. exists. Right. Exactly. And so what we did at Montana's Peer Network was we went and got these uh, keys. So um, and they're, uh, they're blue. They have the medical alert symbol on them. And it, it looks just like a, a key you, know, you might have for your house, except it's a USB drive. And you can plug it into any USB drive. And there's like, it's only 256 megs. Like, I remember when we ordered them, they, they, they were like, do you mean gigabytes? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, megabytes. Like, we don't want people putting stuff on it. We don't yeah. want them putting one thing on it. Anyway, the point of these is to put your advanced directive on it, and then you put the key on your keychain. So the idea is that if you were taken into custody, if you ended up in an emergency room or, you know, hospitalized or jail or whatever, they're going to empty your pockets. They're going to see this blue key. They're going to be like, what's this blue key? And it has a medical alert symbol on it. They can plug it into any laptop, any computer. The law enforcement can even plug it into their, their, uh, um, uh, the systems in their car. I forgot the oh. name of it there. And, uh, and if you put your advanced directive on it, they can open it up. Right. So they can see who to call, you know, who's your supporters, who's your doctor. They can be like, hey, I'm here with Jim, and, you know, um, you're listed on his advanced directive, and where if you can come down here and help us out, you know, right? Like, so you have to think about how you're going to share that with people, because um, that's really important. You can make it, but if you don't ever share it with anyone, it's never going to be used. Um, right. And so. I think you could also use the in case of emergency section on your phone, right? Because, um, oh, sure. Because, sure. Um, like, law enforcement and stuff can, can access that without getting into, like, the rest of your phone, but they can see that in case of emergency information. And so, you know, even if you just put in there some kind of note that says you have an advanced directive or, you know, yeah. put that reference number from your card or, or whatever, you know, into right. your phone... That might be another way of making sure that that somebody's going to see it. Right. Because that's really important. I mean, that's really, really important. Um, yeah. So that's an option. You know, you can make, you can do it. And, and that, and let me say this, uh, is that it's that's super formalized. Like when we're talking about recovery plans, that's like the most formal type of plans you can make. Like. I think we've kind of done the whole spectrum. Like we started yeah. with just kind of a casual, you know, it's in my brain kind of thing. Um, you know, that's very formal and you're going to want to share that, but could, could really be very life changing and it gives you a voice and, um, you know, you get to say your wishes and who, who are the people you want there? Who are the people you don't want there? 
those kinds of things. So, and I think even if if you don't necessarily want to go the whole advanced directive route, that form is actually kind of helpful in you're creating something less formal, right? I mean, you can use oh, yeah. those questions and and yeah. things so that you make sure that you addressed everything, even if you don't want to go through the process of having it certified or, you know, sent right, into the right. state or, or whatever. Right. So. right, like in PS 101, when um, parasporters come to training, we have them in their homework assignment, they make a recovery plan and it's, you know, it looks very different than the advanced directive, you know, it's, this is where I go for support, these are my supporters, this is, you know, what's going on when I'm not not doing well, you know, these are the, these are my medications, you know, right, like, it, it really can look like anything that you want it to look like, but the point is putting it together and organizing it and being mindful of it and making it part of your practice, and I think it helps, um, you know, I think uh, having a plan, what's the saying, uh, Failing to failing failing to plan is planning Planning to fail. fail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right? Um, Yeah. I um, the other day went out uh, for Chinese food and I got this uh, fortune cookie. uh, This, you know, you get the little things in there. It says, uh, "Prepare today for the demands of tomorrow. Plan your move." I thought that was kind of interesting. I knew we were going to be recording this. uh, Yeah. This uh, podcast and. Yeah, it's cool that you got that at that yeah. time, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really important thing about your own recovery. What are you actually going to do? And not just leaving it up to, oh, when I have time, I'll go to that meeting. Right. But actually, actually committing to, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Um, Write some goals with some steps and... And exactly. do the research if it's, I'm going to go to a meeting, well, where are the meetings and what time are the meetings? And exactly. And, and you have to make time. You know, when you're, when you're doing that, when you're being mindful about your recovery and the thing you're going to do, you have to make the time. So when someone calls you up, you know, and says, hey, I want to go do this, or the boss says, oh, hey, you know, uh, can you go, can you work a little extra? It's like, oh, I can't. i got to go to this, this meeting. You know what I mean? Like, you really make a commitment to your wellness, to your recovery, and you can stick with it, and you share it with other people, and they can hopefully encourage you along, because there's definitely times where you don't want to do those things. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so having some support, so I think that's important. Yeah. So, all right, Andy, uh, how are we doing here? I think we have I, I think just we're about, about out of time, so. I think, I think we are, right? kind of getting that sense that we going going for quite a while so we want to thank everybody for tuning in once again uh, for another podcast we certainly enjoy uh, doing these for you yeah and we're we're trying to get some more done if you would be interested in uh, being a guest on a podcast to talk about your recovery or or really anything that has to do with um, recovery, even if it's a stretch, um, we'd be interested in having you on. Yeah, shoot us an email and let us know. We're always looking for guests. We like to do spotlights on people or programs, or if there's a particular part of wellness and recovery you want to come on and share, let us know and spread the word and keep listening to the podcast. 
Yeah, so thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. Okay, thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.